I invite you to stand in body or spirit as we hear from the Gospel of Mark. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the good news. Please be seated. This past Wednesday, we began our Lenten journey together, a season of repenting, of returning to God's love, returning to God's kingdom work, returning to God's hope for our lives. Lent is a time for a deeper awareness of who we are and whose we are, something we'll be reminded of in baptism in just a little bit. Lent is a time for focusing in It can be a somber time as we realize that we cannot do this life alone and that we need grace and goodness to accompany us, grace and goodness that we can't always conjure up in ourselves. Lent can be a season of struggle as our hearts wrestle between doing what we'd like to pretend is best for us and what God knows is best for us and for this world. And so this year, the season of Lent, we are going to follow a sermon series, both on Wednesdays and Sundays, based on listening in, on cutting through the noise and the busyness of life to really tune in to the voice of God. So it'll be an opportunity to slow down, to be intentional, to get curious, and to really listen for when, where, how, and why God speaks to us. And it begins with a text we actually just heard a few weeks ago, the baptism of Jesus. In this, the beginning of Mark's gospel, Jesus' story begins with him engaging in the ancient cleansing ritual of his people. In Jesus' day, people found great importance and meaning in participating in sacred rituals and milestones. Those moments set apart for something out of the ordinary were part of the rhythm of faith and life. Those moments were gifts because the very act of marking time and space in a unique and intentional way creates what some have called thin places where people can more fully experience the divine. That's what rituals are designed to do. They pull people out of the usual grind, urging them to slow down, to reflect, to give themselves over to a deeper ministry in a fully embodied way. And so it's no wonder then that in Jesus' baptism something remarkable happened. By creating sacred space, he was positioned to listen more closely. And as he was coming out of the water, he heard a voice call out, you are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. 
In that thin place, Jesus experienced deep connection with the divine as God named and claimed him in love. Well, some 2,000 years later, rituals and other special markings of times and place and events are still an important part of the rhythm of our faith and our lives. Just a few days ago, many of us participated in one such ritual as we received ashen crosses on our foreheads as a reminder of where we come from and what that means for our lives. In fact, this entire season of Lent and any practices that each of us take up are all rituals. We create rituals surrounding birth and death and everything in between. We baptize. We celebrate First Communions. We anoint confirmands. We participate in rituals for graduations and weddings, housewarmings, retirements, and other important transitions. And in all of these moments, we have opportunity to create sacred space for intention and meaning. And when we do, we position ourselves to better connect with and hear the voice of God calling out, you are mine and I love you. In the thin spaces, we are reminded that we are named and claimed. And friends, we need those reminders as often as we can get them, yes? Because because life isn't all rituals and thin places, right? And being named and claimed doesn't make us immune from the hard stuff. Notice that immediately after Jesus' mountaintop, or in this case, riverside experience, where did he find himself? In the wilderness. He went from the high of his baptism to a low, lonely, challenging season. And is it just me, or is that almost always the way? Shortly after we have our mountaintop highs, we find ourselves crashing into a valley. It's the pendulum of life. And in those valleys, it is so much easier to forget our belovedness. In the wilderness, we read that Jesus was, one, there for a long time, B, with wild beasts, can't tell if that's good or bad, and C, tempted to listen to a louder, more toxic voice different from God's. In the wilderness, fear, uncertainty, and exhaustion can be deafening drowning everything else out, drawing us toward mirages of security, identity, and hope. And amidst all that, it's easy to miss God's voice or just assume that God is not speaking to us at all. And yet, we read in the text that even in the wilderness, the angels waited on Jesus. I have skipped over that part every single time I've read that text until this week. I have no idea what that looked like. Not a clue, except that it means that Jesus wasn't alone. The harshness of the wilderness wasn't taken away, but he was still seen, loved, and cared for by God throughout it. Something supernatural stayed close by him to get him through. So God's voice might not have been as loud and clear as in Jesus' baptism, but God's presence was still there in the surrounding support. Friends, we may have to listen more closely, but we are still God's beloved in the wilderness. And God will find ways to surround us with support. 
Who are the angels in your life? The people that show up around us, the ones who point out the wild beasts and the toxic temptations for us to watch out for, the ones who take us out into creation to receive the healing touch of the earth and help us to spill our grief out onto it, the ones who join us around a fire and simply share in reflective silence as we voice the hard questions, the ones who don't rush to fix but do have wisdom to share and resources for us to tap into, the ones who remind us of what we believe or who believe on our behalf when we just can't. Or maybe the angels show up within us, in the stirrings of the Holy Spirit. Maybe that small voice that begs us to pause and look around, taking stock of anything that's still good and beautiful. Or the tiny little nudge that drives a wedge into our anxious thoughts and false narratives for just a moment so that instead we can lay it all out for God to carry for a while. Or maybe it's that that really small spark of hope that whispers it won't always be this way because there's a force of love and life at work in this world that is always working to bring something new. Whether the angels show up on the outside or the inside, they create little slivers of thin spaces, just like rituals do, where we can remember the truths that we've forgotten in the midst of harsh circumstances. They help us to recenter, to reorient ourselves, to listen in and to return to the one who loves us. Which means that even when we are in the wilderness, we are not helpless. Our role in those seasons is first to expect God to show up, to watch and listen for the angels in and around and among us and to receive them because we ourselves don't have the energy for ritual. And then to be open when we hear something and then to move toward it with hope. That's what Jesus did. You know, the count of the wilderness ended in this story, but life didn't stop challenging him. Do you notice how the story unfolded? He's baptized, he ends up in the wilderness, and then all of a sudden we hear that his friend and his cousin John has been arrested. They make it sound like the wilderness ended, but I don't think that it did. The heartache just kept coming. And yet something that he'd heard from God, something in the way he'd been loved through that time helped him move toward his next steps with hope. Because after all that, we arrive at today's memory verse, that Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news. Because Jesus listened for God's claiming and naming call in his life, he knew his identity and his purpose. Because Jesus listened for God's claiming and naming call in his life, he was invested in making sure that people understood that that good news also existed for them to cling to, especially in the wilderness. And remember that Jesus would continue to make time for ritual both in and out of the wilderness. Countless times in the Gospels, he went off by himself to be in deep connection with God, to refocus and to listen in. 
Jesus regularly created thin spaces wherever he could. He would spend time in creation, solitude, prayer, close fellowship with friends. He didn't rely solely on the experience of his baptism to carry through his entire life, but returned to that voice again and again because it was always available to him. And so it is with you, with me. During this season of Lent, let us remember our baptism when we were named and claimed in love, but let us also continue creating rhythms of ritual where we can more clearly listen for God's voice. And let us watch for the angels in the midst of wilderness, trusting that God is using them to carry us through so that we, when we are strengthened, can go back out and proclaim the good news of God's love. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we know that we are not Jesus. We can't conjure up everything we need to survive wilderness, but God, that's why he came, to do that with us and for us and among us. And so help us to take those times to be still and to listen for your voice and help us to look for those around us who are your voice in our lives, to remember that you have named us and you have claimed us in your love. Amen.